The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Hey, hey, it's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find Midwest Swing on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod and Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage MN. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. We've got Eric producing today instead of Justin. And across the table from me today is Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3. He is the founder of Zone Coverage. What's going on today, man? Not too much. I thought maybe you weren't coming back, seeing that it rains and then snows now. Yeah, and so before we get into that, I'm going to read a quick disclaimer, but then we'll talk about my time in Florida and probably (laughs) spend most of the show. No, it's nothing big. So... Before we move on with that chatter, uh, thank you so much for your reviews on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Those reviews help us gain legitimacy in the eyes of advertisers, providers, and all that sort of thing. And so if you could drop us a review on whatever platform you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Google Play, or Spotify, five-star reviews. If you like the show, that would be great. If you don't like the show, reach out to me on Twitter, slide into those DMs, and let us know what we can do differently because obviously we need you for the show to be successful. Now, I understand, so I went to Florida for spring training, and I left on Friday, and so yeah, that was part of the adventure. I had an 8 a.m. flight, and they needed two volunteers to be taken off the flight and put on a later flight, and they're like, well, we'll give you $500 in vouchers, and I, I kind of resisted, and then they, when they bumped it to 1000 I'm like, all right, I got to see what this is all about, and so they said, well, we'll get you into Fort Myers by one of the flights was 1030 and one was 1130. Yeah. And I'm so I'm thinking, hmm, if I call the hotel and they hold my room for me, I've got nothing to lose. I don't have to do anything until Saturday when we drove up to Bradenton. Yeah. I thought, why not? You know, have a little adventure. So fly into New York City, sit there for like three hours, fly into Fort Myers, get to the hotel but it ended up being a long travel day, and I got to the hotel slash motel, and if anybody's seen the TV show, I don't think this is a swear word, but Shit's Creek, um, <laughs> it, that's the real name of the show. I'm not making it up. It's a motel, like a walk-up motel, and that's yeah. exactly what I was in in the north side of Fort Myers. It's, it was two levels yeah. instead of one, like in the TV show, but it was a trip, man. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a combination of... It's a vacation destination. Well, and I booked not, late. I booked super yeah, late. That yeah. was my own fault. Yeah. No, and and uh um but it just seems like I don't you know, I don't know how many people actually live in Fort Myers. And I know Naples nearby, obviously, mm-hmm. is kind of the bigger city. And yeah. Um it seems like this is a major attraction. Now a lot of people from coming in from out of town, probably why it was booked, but I was the Tigers game was um was televised. And yeah, on Monday. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And, and the I, game where A. Ray Adrianza got picked off yeah. on the hidden ball. Yeah, trick. which which to do that in spring training. Yeah, who breaks out their best tricks? In spring yeah, training? yeah, yeah. I mean, but um, an old dog though. Right. Miguel Cabrera is an old dog. Right. He showed off a new trick. I mean, if you got one, you may as well use it. Right. I, I think. Um, uh, I mean, while you were there, and I know before that, you know, I watched a couple of the games that Marnie did. Um, it seems like. They're packing it, and I don't know if that means that people are excited about the Twins or that it's just kind of there are a lot of ex-Minnesota people or, or when they're playing the Tigers, ex-Michigan, Michiganders. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let, let the record show that both of the games I was at at Hammond Stadium were sellouts. 
Yeah. The only two of the spring. So I think it and, had, probably had more to do with me yeah. than anything. Yeah, obviously. you'd be in there. People want to shake your hand. Now, Toronto, they gave up four home runs. Rowdy Telez yeah. and a couple. And then Bo Bichette, who, I mean, if you're listening to this show and don't know the Blue Jays prospects, it starts with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, I mean, everybody knows who he is because of his dad. And everybody knows who Bo Bichette is because his dad's Dante Bichette, who played a bunch of years for the Rockies yeah. in the late 90s. But he roped two absolute bombs off Oda Rizzi, who, who didn't even finish the first inning. Yeah, and then yeah. I saw them take him off, and he just shrugged. Like, he didn't care that he got hit hard. He was messing with some off-speed stuff and that, all that. Let's get, we'll get to that yeah, in yeah, a second. Because yeah, no to understand spring training, I think you have to understand what the players are actually working on, which is obviously where the reporting comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to talk about it briefly because it's been brought up that this is something you have to do as a fan. I've been to Lakeland. I've been to Port Charlotte. I actually have not been to Fort Myers. Uh, Lakeland is the Tigers. Port Charlotte is the Rays, I believe. Yep. And um, yep. Uh, I heard Lakeland's way the heck up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you talk about the experience just a little bit, um, kind of what it was like for you, obviously, as a writer. Um, and then I'm assuming you did a bus ride, or how did you get to Bradenton? I rode with Doe and Betsy, the new reporters for MLB yeah. and Pioneer Press. And so that was the early morning, the morning after I got there. yeah. My cell phone was on Eastern Time. That's another story we'll tell here later yeah, on yeah, in the yeah. hour. But yeah, they uh, they picked me up and we rode. Uh, Doe was driving, and so Doe, who is twenty one, like barely old enough to be driving a car, no, right. a rental car. They he, waived his fee. Really? He said that he booked it online and they didn't charge him the extra fee for being under twenty five. Interesting. But so anyway, we drove. It's like ninety miles up to Bradenton, and you have to get there early because the press box is tiny, and so there were like three chairs and there were three of us. And so the only one that beat us up there was Lavelle and he had a, an assigned spot for of course Lavelle. Yeah. I'm surprised he was there that early, honestly, because it is a bit of a drive, but that was a nice park. Twins hit five homers that day. Martin Perez was That's throwing the pirates team. Yep, by the way, yep. throwing 97. Oh, the park is shoehorned in the middle of like a, a neighborhood. You actually, you might've seen the most meaningful game. Like the, the Perez game is probably the game everyone's yeah. fixed on because he was throwing so hard in West Johnson and all that stuff. Throwing hard. Uh, Johan Santana too, he's talked about how he's competing on the mound and, and yeah. what he's learned from Johan in terms of, you know, pitch ordering, you know, what do you call that? Pitch. Uh, yeah. Sequence. Sequencing. Which to be fair is something that, um, and this has come up even in national circles, mm-hmm. um, Ryan Presley, for example, um, even people here were recognizing that he had the stuff. He was sequencing wrong. It seemed like he was he was too predictable when he was going off speed. When he was, he could throw hard. He could well, throw sometimes it's location too. If you are, if you're yeah. if you're getting behind two one three one two zero and you have to go to the fastball, everybody can hit fastballs. And I think I think this was Michael Bauman. It was either it was one of the ringer on guys. the ringer, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so it was either him and Lindbergh. But they were saying he did some reporting. And the Astros, you know, broke out the X, Y axis and, um, you know, talked to, uh, you know, had had sheets of advanced stats or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've both talked to Presley. He's a uh, very nice person. I mean, even just kind of. He's very uh, Texan. Like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But also yeah. like very like straight to the point. Right. And, and very. Um, kind of meat and potatoes like he i guess he in the meeting was like just tell me which pitches to throw and when when we talked about um going back to that press conference when they let Mahler go and how hard that was just because a like from our perspective i thought he was great and ter- he didn't big time you it wasn't from a, like from a media relations standpoint yeah. he was wonderful um people here obviously remember him as the hall of fame player he finished his career here mm-hmm. some maybe go back to remembering him you know high school as a gopher um and they 
I felt like Falvey and Levine could have been more forthcoming about kind of these flow of information issues that it seems like they're solving with Rocco as mm, far as yeah. like bringing him into kind of big picture discussions. Um, and this seems like a, a case of a major miss for the twins that Presley had the stuff. He certainly had a willingness to learn, or at least you, you didn't have to explain to him what to do. He just, just tell him what to throw. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if, perhaps we'll see this with kind of the presence because people are upset and maybe reasonably so even from a national level people go well you have brios you have gibson and then there's a drop off or at least there's the pineda no one knows what's going on odorizzi there's an argument that really he should have an opener or mm-hmm. or, or whatever right. yeah um you know kind of this unknown of it, could it be stewart gonsalves yeah, some- yeah the fifth spot i mean both those guys have been sent out but it's right yeah. now it's mejia and perez because they don't need a fifth start until well i think perez has got the inside track and we'll talk about roster predictions too because i think that there is a lot of cases to be made that i think the conventional wisdom was that the bench was going to be garver yep astadio and who am i missing this is before marwin yep yep no no, this is with marwin playing third it would be going to be garver astadio adrianza cave yep and i think it's going to be completely different than that after what i saw this last weekend what would it be for you just real quick astadio i love it he has to be. That, uh, it, that has to happen. Yeah. Austin. Interesting. And then your fourth guy will either be Cave, mm-hmm. Garver, or Reed. Michael Reed's out of options. That's right. I think Jake Reed, like the reliever. But yeah, Michael. Or and, Addison Reed, the reliever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Jake Reed, the wide receiver. Right. And, right. and to confuse things even more, Michael Reed is from Minnesota. Like right. He was born in Minnesota. Right, right. Um, and so was Mike Morin, the reliever, the non-roster reliever. So, so let, let's talk about those positions real quick. And yeah. I know we probably didn't want to jump into this no, right I, away. No, whatever. But, um, Austin's an interesting player to me. I think, you know, he he was a big prospect. He certainly, once he gets a hold of a ball, it We saw that yesterday. Distance. He absolutely yeah. pasted one against the Pirates. They were back up in Bradenton yesterday, I think. I think he's a positive locker room guy. Just from, Extremely so. I, I've talked to him a lot. No, Rocco, Rocco yeah. said as much when we asked him after one of the games. He said, and, and that's kind of why, between the home run on Tuesday and Monday's analysis of Austin as a guy from Rocco's, like, like his post-game right, stuff, right, right. I think if you read behind the scenes, I think, because he's out of options too, and options, you know, as much as you think, yeah, you know, Mitch Garver deserves to be on this team because he yep. he had a nice offensive year, especially with Castro out. I mean, Castro's back. Acedillo's a little more defensively versatile. He's got, Garver's got options. And same thing with Jake Cave, who obviously filled in admirably for Byron Buxton last year. Well, yep. Buxton hit a home run today. He's got four now. And Buxton's obviously got center on lock. And so your outfield's full. you got to figure out who you want as a fourth. They didn't claim Michael Reed just to flip him again, I don't think. And we haven't seen much of Michael Reed, but... Okay, describe him as a player, because I don't think people are going to be as So he played right field in the... I want to say it was the game in um, on Monday against the Blue Jays. So, okay, he played in the big leagues in 2015 with the Brewers, 2016 with the Brewers, and then last year just briefly with Atlanta. He's got 22 big league plate appearances, so not much going there. But he's 26, uh, born in Maplewood. Yeah, I mean, and, went to school in Texas, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah. so last year at Gwinnett, he hit 363 with a 459 on base and a 539 slugging percentage in 53 games. Solid numbers in Mississippi, too. So, I mean, between AA and AAA last year, he hit 342. He can run. He can play. I mean, he played right that day. 
But if we look at what he played last year, yeah, he played mostly center. You like to have your fourth outfielder be able to play center, but it's not a must when all three of your starters can play center. Yeah, yeah. But I think based on the numbers and the fact that he, he did hit a homer on Saturday in Bradenton, that's his only hit of the spring so far, but he's only one for eight. Rocco also had good things to say about him, too, after Monday's game. He moves well. Um, if, as far as stolen bases, I mean, his his biggest year in the high 20s, low 30s, but he's got some good power. Um, you know, he hasn't shown it much in terms of, like, home runs, but he legs out a bunch of doubles. He's a pretty good-sized guy, 6 feet, 215. But for his size, he can really move, and I think it helps that he's a right-handed bat with Kepler and Rosario both batting lefty. I think Michael Reed's got the inside track on a spot, and as hard as it would be to send Jake Cave to Rochester, uh, I think they might. I think your bench is Estadio, Adrianza. Interesting. Um, Reed. Yeah. And then who am I missing? Uh, no Garver. Oh, and then Austin. Estadio, Adrianza. Yeah. Reed. And why am I? Why am I? Yeah, it's always hard to forget or remember the, the fourth, but Austin is the fourth. Austin, yeah. yeah. I keep screwing up the A's. So three yeah. A's and then. But and, then uh, and sorry, what was the issue? Garver, who, by the way, it looks like was hitting the head with yeah, the. Yeah, he's hitting the, head, hitting the head with the pitch today. Came out of the game. Brian Navarro went in. You can't really tell much because it's usually precautionary and that sort of thing. But, training, yeah. but the other thing, too, is that. Um, Concussions can pop up at any time, too. You know, you may not show immediate concussion symptoms, so you can't rule that out either. We're, not, we're certainly hoping that's not the case. But you you could easily make a case that Garver and Cave both deserve to make the team. You could easily make the case, though, that you don't want to lose Reed and Austin for nothing. And and Estadio then is the backup catcher. Right, and then he can play all over. You could DH him some if, if Cruz needs a day off. I mean... Yeah. You can play him at third. Although can, Austin would probably be the DH. Yeah, yeah. I think Austin would definitely be the DH. And and then Reed, you know, as a as a righty to spell the lefties help. So yeah. I don't know. I would have never guessed a few days ago that this would be the case. But also, too, um, I heard, and I, I probably wasn't supposed to hear it, but Dan Gladden was talking to <laughs> Bobby Wilson before yeah. Monday's game. And then there was a clubby over there, too. And I heard him mention going with just 11 pitchers. And in that case, you have a five-man bench where you make room for Cave or or Garver. And a five-man bench and 11 pitchers because you have days off early in the season and you still have the potential for snowouts and rainouts being baked into where you may not need as many pitchers to start the season. And if that's the case, you might see someone like Trevor Hildenberger or Fernando Romero start the season in the minors, both of guys who... Yeah, I've heard the Hildenberger <laughs> in the minors, which is kind of a bummer. But it's it, weird because... You, I, we should precaution. Like, these are fun things to talk about. I think in terms of why we're discussing them now is you've just seen these players in person. Mm -hmm. And we're and, not trying to just say anybody should lose their jobs. So. Well, no, I, I think you're addressing trends, though, and potential dark horses that people wouldn't think of unless you're watching a lot of spring training games, reading about the team oh, if I, or if, down there. If I'm going to project a roster right now, it will probably have 11 or 12 pitchers, but a, a deep bench. Yeah, and I, I guess the point there is not that they're out on Hildenberger. I think it's, no, that, not at all. it's that this is how this works. Well, they need Matt, they need to find out what they have in Matt McGill, who's out of options. Adalberto Mejia is out of options. They've got a lot of guys out of options that they have to get decisions on. And a lot of times these pitcher things sort themselves out. I mean, who would have thought Matt McGill was going to throw 40 or whatever innings last year when yeah. he was a non-roster invitee to spring training? I mean, 30 years old or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You see guys like Tim Collins having a great spring. Ryan Harper. You see 
Mike Mora, and all these guys on a lesser Twins team would have a chance to make the team. And this year, it doesn't look like they're going to keep any non-roster invitees from the bullpen side of things. Well, and Falvey and Levine have been up front with this, that there's all sorts of factors that go in. It's almost kind of politics, right, with the with the roster. I mean, think about Vlad Guerrero Jr. People know him because, obviously, his dad was a major league player. They also know him because until he got hurt recently, he was an example of a service time manipulation, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, this came up with Buxton last year. Um, there's all sorts of things these guys have to consider, they're at least saying the right things, and I think they know this, that to fall in love with Aaron Hicks with what he did in spring training mm-hmm. what was a mistake. He was rushed up too early. In, in some ways, Terry Ryan was right in, you know, over the course of time, he knew that Hicks was going to be a good player, and he is. He's a, he's a good player for the Yankees, just cashed in on that, right? Seven seven years, 70 million or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something, something like that. And... um at the same time, he was not ready. And in, in some ways, especially as an organization, and I feel like almost every baseball organization, to be honest, is like this now, but as an organization that really has to have a strong pipeline, mm-hmm. knowing that even, even if the twins choose to keep it as they should keep a handful of stars, you're probably not keeping everyone. The Cardinals, for example, were smart to let pools go or whatever. Yeah. You always have to have a replacement sit in the minors. I think that, um, you know, I just, with any of this stuff, like keep Michael Reed if you think he has promise. Don't hang on to him too long if the season starts and he doesn't look like he's mm-hmm. much, right? I think the same thing happens with Austin. I mean, Tyler Austin, you got in the, Last the Lance Lynn trade. Lynn trade, right? I mean, that that was, if he amounts to anything, that's a substantial benefit given that, you know, we knew Lynn was gone, mm-hmm. right? And I think... um all this has to be considered when, when when talking about the roster, even Byron Buxton specifically, mm-hmm. or Sano on the other side of this. That just because Sano, it that does seem like a huge. It seems like an issue. I mean, the fact that he it started out he was only going to be out for days. Now a week. Now he's going to miss part of the season with, uh, you know, a, a cut. And I think it's near his Achilles heel, right? Yeah, which is a very delicate spot to be cut. Did I you mean, see much of him when you were out there? He was still in Minnesota. Oh, that's right. That's right. He was he went to Rochester to get a debridement procedure. Yeah, Rochester, Minnesota. You got to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to clarify when you're talking about uh, Rochester's with with Minnesota. Right, right, right. And Rocco said they figured he'd be back in in Fort Myers soon. So I would imagine sometime this week. Yeah. So um, at the same time with Bucks, and I think what's more encouraging is he may potentially be faster, which is crazy, right? It seems like he. I don't think they're giving him a new Achilles, right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, but with Buxton, it's, uh, there's been reports that he just is physically stronger. He's I think, jacked as hell. And he, and he's, like, it's insane how jacked he is. Yeah, and I mean, we've had Mastriana on the show. He was, for a smaller player, very, like, he's still very jacked. built. Yeah, he's still jacked. And, uh, and with Buxton, he's just, I think he's countering that narrative that he's brittle, right? That, that he cannot remain healthy enough well, to be he a major said, league he player. He said he wants to be able to hit the wall and not break something. And I mean, Part of that's him just kind of being humorous, but when you have a guy like that, who I mean, for for lack of a better way to put it, I think because of how thin and 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 wiry he was, he was almost pointy, like bony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if if you are um, if you're if you're that kind of build and you hit the fence. I don't know how much padding matters, but think about how fast he moves before he hits the fence too. Yeah. So every little bit that you can add to prevent yourself from having those nagging injuries, I think helps. 
Yeah, he's gonna Kool Aid Man through the wall the first time he goes through. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. <laughs> the yeah uh, people at Target Field are gonna tell. Kind of like that old uh, that old video from the minor leagues where the guy runs through the outfield fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he catches the ball, and I think people can correct me if I'm wrong. Brandon Warren on Twitter, Brandon underscore Warren. I think Chip Hale, who was a twin, yeah, in the mid '90s. Was the hitter of that ball. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, there's also things they could do with the field. I don't know if they've addressed this, but the fencing in the outfield, it just seems weird that that's exposed and that's potentially something that oh, could injure the a player. where you can see yeah, the bullpen. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you could fix some of that or whatever. But I, Make it stained glass so you break through it. Right, right, right. I don't think so. Um, I don't think but, uh, I, you know, I think, and I think it, to my knowledge, what you know, what we're addressing here when we talk about roster, when we talk about the the star players, even like a Royce Lewis, it seems like he's fit in the clubhouse. He's not seen as you know almost. He like didn't play at all, brother. but they sent him to minor league camp because of we an oblique there. injury. Yeah, yeah, and obliques just linger. Yeah, but they said he was a net positive in the club. I mean, he's always going to be a net positive. And actually, um, I'm wearing my white humility chain. Yeah, his mom makes these, and I wrote a story at yeah. zonecoverage.com. They donate the proceeds to NIGU, which is a children's pediatric, well, children's, it's a pediatric cancer foundation. And so I told, I, I said to his mom, you know, white would look really cool. So she made one for Royce. Yeah. He loved it. So she sent me one. Yeah. And she also sent me a red one. So go on Etsy, look for humility chains. Yep. And you can help, you know, donate some proceeds to pediatric cancer and, and, and making a cure, finding a cure. But he and I talked about that, and then you know later in the weekend he was sent to minor league camp, and he looked—I wouldn't say shell shocked, but I feel like he just wasn't quite ready to be sent out yet. And I think part of it was the the bum deal that he he couldn't have played, but they lockered him right next to Nelson Cruz. I mean, who yeah. of all people would you want him to have a locker next to? He's like I think he was one or two doors down from him. And the funny thing about that clubhouse is that like Nelson Cruz is in a corner where you can't see. Yeah. You come into the clubhouse and you turn to your left, you can't see it. And you got to kind of look There's behind There's 60 there. lockers or something, Something right? like that, yeah. yeah. And so th- that corner, though, is like the the opposite of the Joe Maurer corner at Target Field. Yeah. And that was where well, Royce was. So I think Royce, I think Royce had good influences, and I think he was a really great teammate and will continue to be that moving forward. And so I think it was still a good experience, even though he didn't get to play. Yeah, talk to Oliva and all that stuff, yeah. which was written about. Cool. What, do you, what did you, yeah, what did you think of Nelson Cruz? Did you get much time to see him? No, he was scarcely available because he hasn't played much, and yeah. he's massive. I mean, yeah. I've I've said all along that Yeah, two, you said it was weird to see him in a Twins uniform. Well, it, it still doesn't feel real. Yeah. Two guys in the time that I've covered the Twins have made me feel small physically. Right. John Roush. Yeah. And Michael Pineda. Nelson Cruz is pretty close to touching that list. Yeah. He is a massive, massive human being. Yeah, and, and probably why he's been able to hit you know, in, into his 30s. Um any other players, I mean, I, I you know, I think a lot of these storylines have been touched on, but any other players, uh, before we dig into details, really stood out to you, um, something notable that you saw just in terms of um, potentially guys in the minors who could be impact players later in the year or someone who's supposed to start? I went back and watched batting practice on the minor league fields, and, and with these groups, you see guys who physically just look like big leaguers, and it might be because they're next to 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, but they just have the physical build where you're like, holy moly, that's a big leaguer. Yeah. So in one hitting group, Alex Kirilov, I'm calling him Baby Vado, hashtag Baby Vado, <laughs> not only looks like a big leaguer, but you hear the ball and the bat meeting the ball, and it's just unbelievable. Dad, line, dad's guys. a swing coach. He's yeah. already pretty 
spraying yeah, line drives left and right. Yeah. And he looks physically like a big leaguer. I mean, at Twins Fest, you can see him. He just, he's barrel-chested. He's a big, strong kid. And he can really move for a guy his size. So he's going to be a, a, a very good big leaguer. Trevor Larnick looked like a big leaguer as well. That's a um, good sign. Tall, fairly lean, but not a slight figure. Fairly imposing. He's got, I don't know who I'd compare him to physically. Like, I think Max Kepler looks a little bigger, and I think he doesn't look oh, too, really? too different than Max Kepler. Because Kepler was wiry last yeah, year. Yeah, and I have a story coming on Kepler. I mean, he's 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 thrilled to be with the Twins long-term. He's just happy that they felt to, felt he was a player worth prioritizing for an extension. Still, I mean, he's still, if you look at you know his spray chart, he's still hitting. Oh, and there's plenty of unfulfilled potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of one direction and... and Certainly a lot of athleticism. It's also yep. incredible. I, I mean, you've said this a lot, just how hard it is, obviously, to, to reach the majors. And the more you talk with guys and coaches and stuff, you realize even between the the capable AAA player, mm-hmm. yeah. there's a huge gap to be a major leaguer. But a guy from Germany, obviously, who... Um, Signed at 16, hadn't yeah, played that much competitive baseball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, and um, I think, Lar- is it Larnack? Is yeah, that how you say Tra- it? yeah. Uh, Ryan Larnack. Um, or wait, Trevor Larnack. I always, yeah. I always screw that. I think Ryan Jeffers. Um there's another dog in here. He, he was part of. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're in the we're dogs in the studio. They're there's releasing been, the dogs on us. They released um, the hounds. There's been two dogs in the building, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, that's a good dog right there. Sorry, <laughs> got distracted. Back Brandon to Larnick. Um, was it a first round pick last year? Yeah, he's a first rounder last year in Oregon State program that perennially is. Well, they won the Natty. Yeah, and one of the best teams in, in college baseball. I think he's gotten lost. They they eliminated Minnesota, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and he the he's, three and eleven Gophers right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, sorry. He he seems to get a little lost in the wash just because um, there's obviously a lot of um, hype around Lewis and Kirilov. Yep. However, as a guy coming out of college, he should be on a on a pretty quick track here. I mean, uh, how do you feel about him? Do you feel like this is a guy that could be an impact player quicker than people think? Does he still seem um, kind of rough around, you know, he has to round out certain parts of his game. I mean, what, what do you see when you, you know, you were back there watching him play? I think any college player is going to be on a faster track, but I think that the polish that he has to his game, especially offensively, don't know much about him defensively, and it might take a little while for us to find that out. But I just think that offensively, he's going to be ready sooner rather than later. I mean, maybe a year from now, he'll be on that double A knocking on the door path like I think Kirilov is right now. And I think Kirilov will start the year at Pensacola, and he might be the kind of offensive player who goes straight from Pensacola to Minneapolis. I don't so, and just to be clear, Pensacola is the new double A yep. yep. I have to catch myself not saying Chattanooga right. because the – because of the they're the blue wahoos right that's yeah yeah so yeah maybe you can hook me up with a trip down there sometime this year right right (laughs) i heard let's go back to florida yeah right i heard that's a beautiful place to see baseball so we'll see what happens yeah a big expensive stadium yeah 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 um so yeah and i think larnick will be the kind of guy though that will that will progress quickly and also in that group speaking of guys who will progress quickly this is a guy who probably won't is akil badu who yeah. is a lot like Aaron Hicks in the sense that it's a toolsy guy, lots of walks, you know, but might need some time to really round out his game. Excuse me, I got the hiccups here. Uh, I think Badu was like a third round pick a couple of years ago, and you know Hicks was a first rounder, so not quite the same pedigree. But a lot of people believe he can stick in center. He can really move. 
can do a lot of really good things. And so that group, there were a bunch of, I mean, Mike Olt was in that group and they also had, um, I think it was Caleb Hamilton who stepped in and cracked. Who, by the way, was in single A last year. Yeah, he's got and, ways to go. And he was also two two and a half years younger than the average player then. Um, and so Caleb Hamilton jumped in there. So Mike Olt, who was a former big prospect with the uh, with the Rangers, he was part of a, a big uh, you know prospect crew that came through Texas, and he ended up in the with the Cubs and never really did much in the big leagues, but he was taken around and he was working against, I think it was this kid Funderburk that was from Australia. And he's like, you know what? I've seen enough pitches. Let's get one of these younger guys in there. So Caleb Hamilton jumps in and cracks a monster home run to the left. And it was like, yeah, was, you know, just the cool things you get to see on the backfields. But anyway, so I, I was done with the, that group and I went and saw another group of younger guys. And it was like, um, I'm trying to think of who else is in this group, but I think it was Ben Rortvet. But the guy who stood out in that group was Travis Blankenhorn, who has to be added to the 40-man after this season. Um, he's second base, third base type. don't think he's the greatest fielder, but body-wise, he could be a double for, like, Josh Donaldson. He's even got the haircut, really? too. Uh, just a big, strong kid. And I think he looked like a big leaguer. I don't know defensively if he'll ever get to where he needs to be to be a regular at either second or third. But he looks like the kind of guy who's going to hit. He had a tough year offensively last year, but... Those were the guys that stood out to me on the backfield. Yeah, and just to kind of profile these guys a little bit, um, Hamilton's been with the Twins for three years. Yeah, he is. He's not very high up on the list. And, and he's about a half year older than his competition at every mm-hmm. level. So yeah, rookie so he's got a, ways to go. a, and then he was in high A last year. Mike Holt, by the way, you're right, 23 years old. He had 40 plate appearances with Texas. And then... I think he was traded in the... He played for the Cubs at 25. Um, <sighs> was with the White Sox for? briefly. I could, I probably could find it. Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking it's it's Matt Garza, but that can't be right. Either way, and then uh, and and Blankenhorn's name for anyone who tracks the minor leagues should be familiar. He's uh, mm-hmm. um, again a year and a half younger than most of his competition, so was in high A as well. He, he was in the year. Matt Garza deal, so he was traded Rangers be. with a player to be named later, Carl Edwards. Or no, for Matt Garza. Yeah, okay, I was right. Um, the Rangers traded for Matt Garza in 2013. So sorry to interrupt you. Back to Blankenhorn. Yeah, and so I, I think uh, I think that's exciting for people who really track the minor leagues. But this is, you know, probably a guy who, 21 years old, um, third round pick, probably is not going to be in the majors super soon. Um, but a, an encouraging sign that, as much as there's expectations, I believe for the major league team, um, and I want to bring up a funny article I read mm-hmm. about the AL Central. Um, uh, well, it can be easy to get tied up in what the big leagues and the big prospects are doing. Because there's a focus on it But now. guys pop up all the time. I mean, Bruce Dark Gratterall, we didn't really know much about him. Right, right, right. And I saw him, and if there's a large adult son in the Twins minor league system, he's that guy. I love it. I, I love the idea of large adult son. Anyway, <laughs> you, you said you had an article that you... Yeah, so this is Zach Cram at The Ringer. He wrote... He's, a, he's another good writer. Yeah, very um, stats-based writer. And well, my kind of guy then. Yeah, he's... Uh, could an AL Central super team beat Cleveland? So oh, I read that the talk, yeah, the talk nationally is that Cleveland is expected to win the division, mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny where baseball's at right now, where we kind of know what's going to happen in the AL and the NL. You could go to the East and Central for sure. It's a little more up for grabs, right? It seems like baseball fans at large are more intrigued with what's going to happen, you know, in, in the National League. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a funny article just from a Twins perspective in that 
you go with catcher. So they're taking the guy who has the most war among the four teams in the AL Central and pitting them against the player with the most war for the Indians. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's a White Sox player. It's a it's Cabrera, uh, Whit Merrifield, uh, Alberto Modesi, so two Royals, uh, second base and shortstop. I think the outfield's mostly twins, isn't it? So you go third base, uh, Miguel Sano, and this is a good sign again, um, 2.3 war projected. Mm-hmm. Now that's getting healthy, and it, it's going to be unfortunate that he's going to have to kind of play catch up with uh, um, just the fact that he was, uh, you know, that he's been injured and won't start with the team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, day, you know, opening day. But Rosario, Buxton, Buxton's projected war 2.4. Um, I think that's low, but yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And then uh, it's Eloy Jimenez is the uh, you know White Sox player who is the right fielder. Um, but Nelson Cruz, and then I love it. They had uh, on the Twins bench, Estadio Gonzalez, and they put Kepler on the bench, which is interesting. Well, just because of the war he's predicted for. But I yeah. Think, so who's the starting right fielder that I can't remember? The starting right fielder was, um, I just said his name, uh, Jimenez. Oh, that's right, Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, so that's that'll show me to not listen. Yeah, and they, and they, so and then they actually have uh, Brios. Now it's Brios versus Kluber. Brios is a two point nine WAR projected. Kluber is five point three. Honestly, he's like four. Yeah, five, yeah, yeah. So uh, and I, I just thought again, sometimes I like to see it from the national angle, uh, mm-hmm. how people what people say about the Twins, and this is the argument they have is that um, you know Gibson they have the number three pitcher matched up against Bauer. That's a two point three WAR versus four point four. They have Pineda as the number four guy versus Clevenger. Um, and you know, I, I guess where do you stand having, having seen the pitcher? I mean, do you want them to go make a last ditch effort to get Keiko? I don't know who else would know. Yeah. And so I, I, I think, don't, I'm surprised that I don't, but I don't. Do you, do you see the pitching staff being a, um, a weak link for, for the team? I mean, do, it, it, we've talked mostly actually about position players. Mm-hmm. I think this, uh, in spring training and kind of the hype around them. Think of if Buxton, shows that potential to be the the player he's supposed to be and a couple takes next step, all that stuff. Um, what do you, I guess, where do you stand on the pitching staff right now? I know Gibson just worked himself out of a jam. I don't know how much that matters. Odorizzi was, it was not encouraging what you saw there. Um, but uh, Perez was positive. It I, seems like I think the pitching positive. staff is fine. I think it's a weak link in the sense that the offense is going to be able to put up some runs and we don't know what the pitching staff will be able to do, but I'm probably the high man or high person in this market on this pitching staff yeah. as far as evaluating it. Because I think, I mean, it, it all depends on what Pineda does because if he is who he was before he was hurt and his velocity looked good, he was 94, 95 when we saw him, you know, he got hit around a little bit, but at 94, 95, he does everything you want out of a starting pitcher, the, the strikeouts, yeah. limiting walks, grounders, velo, what size. was highly regarded before he got hurt. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. traded for Jesus Montero, um, well, Byron Buxton just doubled, so now he's got two extra base hits today. Um, and we said, by the way, Garver's fine. That was an update. Yep, update podcast. on that. So yep. he's yeah, yeah. Doe just tweeted that he's fine. So that's good to see. Um, where was I? I was on the pitching staff. Yeah. Oh, so, so Pineda, Pineda does everything that you want, except he'd, he'd given up some homers. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing: I am really, really enthused about this. People as a player development. This team is a player development team because. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, Wes Johnson's supposed to be the, you know, the, the, the Dallas Velo, Baptist or whatever he is, the Velo in, guy. In Arkansas, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Velo guru. And they are doing um, they're doing all kinds of stuff with Rapsodo and 
and computers and that sort of thing. And just to see all these new faces. And by the way, I think the only way you got hired by the twins this offseason is if you had a big beard. Is that right? I swear every new coach that I saw here? was like uh, like Ian Kadish, the new strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Massive beard. And Rocco's kind of got the bald guy beard. Rocco's got on. the bald guy beard. It's a, it's a sweet look. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. But they've got a few guys in the minor league side too, just big bushy beards. So it's almost like Duck Dynasty. <laughs> but what what do you think of, you know, we've talked, did you talk much with Wes Johnson? Uh, no, nope. I have, I did a Twins Fest. Okay. And I've talked to his former pupils, whether it was guys at Dallas Baptist yeah. or Arkansas. So Arkansas and Mississippi State. I, think um, I talked to States. Brandon Koch and Sneed, uh, Cy Sneed, I think is the guy's okay. name. And they just rave about this guy. So he's, a, he's an Energizer bunny, and, and the twins that say the same. But he's supposed to be good at getting velo out of guys. And, I mean, if there's Hilton one thing. Hildenberger said he's using his hips more. Yep, there's a lot of it, it's like all pitchy. in yeah. the hips, like, yeah. uh, like Chubbs on um, <laughs> <laughs> Chubbs Happy, on Gilmore. Happy yeah. Gilmore. But he unlocks velo for guys. And if there's one thing the twins haven't done well in the last decade or even maybe in the club history is velo and strikeouts. And so. Which are big. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, the average reliever strikes out a batter per inning. Yeah, yeah. Five years ago, that was a lot. Ten years ago, that was unthinkable. And, and teams rely more on, on relief pitching. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think that getting strikeouts, I mean, that that's where this pitching staff has room to grow. But also, it's um, you know, that's the one thing that they can do to improve just internally. Yeah, so I – and I think that's what you were getting at in terms of the teams that um, – when the off season often, you know, doesn't always mean performance. And, and I was surprised even just as a brief tangent that I thought once the Phillies got Harper, they were hands down going to win that division. Cause I always think of the Mets as bad. Mm-hmm. The Marlins are bad and we don't even know if they're trying to win. Um, no, they're not the, yeah, we know they're not. Yeah. 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 Um, you're taking away, so the Nationals were 80 and 82 last year. They're, you're taking away their best player. But they added a lot. I mean, Dozier. Yeah. And they signed Corbin. And yeah. they added, uh, Matt Weeders behind the plate might be decent. They, yeah. They've added plenty of quality. Well, Mets did too. I yep. didn't realize how much they Cano added. Cano and Diaz. Yeah. And Jed Lowry. They're, they're spending like a big market team all of a sudden. Uh, they Oh, Wilson Ramos. Yeah. Um, so they're good. All, and Bra- all three of those top teams with the Braves, Mets, and Nationals could win 85-88 games easy. Braves won 90 last year in a, a weakish division, but seemed to maybe be ahead of the curve in terms of where they were supposed to be. Is that a fair interpretation? I'm sorry, say it again? A little ahead of the curve. Like, they won 90 games. I Was that team expected to be that good? I think they were expected to be decent, but I don't yeah. think that they were expected to be monstrous. I think right. they were expected, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. really set the world on fire. Ozzy Albies... Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yeah, they, they and, really and, had a bunch of young guys jump up. Mike Fultonevich had a really great season too, and you know they can still get something out of Julio Tehran. They have a lot of expectations to the point where um, I don't think they did a ton of adding. I know they got um, oh Kurt Suzuki signed with the Nationals too. That's another guy we forgot about. Um, yeah. but they've and, got a lot of a lot of right young guys who still have a lot of helium. Dansby Swanson, uh, right? You know, uh, oh, Josh Donaldson. Yeah, yeah, you know, big and, move there. And on the other on the other side. Uh, Machado signs with San Diego and Pakota has them at about 78, 79 wins. For San Diego? Yeah. And they have like the best farm system in baseball. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the point there is that um, I think, again, I always go back to if you're going to criticize ownership, it's if they don't spend on a player who 
is successful here in Minnesota. And this is beyond the the Kepler Plancos. I think those contracts are great because it's cost controlled, some stability, it's mm-hmm. knowing who's going to be around. But it's if Brios really takes off, he should get a contract. But but I, I, if I told you my theory of the Twins and the, the so there's three tiers in my mind, and I label them Rays, right? Yep. Cardinals. Yep. yep. Yankees. No, the Twins should try to be the Cardinals. The Twins were the Rays in the Metrodome. Yep. Can't keep any of your guys except in the rarest of occasions. The Cardinals tier is where you can keep the guys you want to keep. You can build internally. You can make some shrewd moves, but you're never going to be a player for the Bryce Harpers of the world. I mean, maybe maybe you could be if you really wanted yeah, to, yeah. but it's unlikely you'll push all your chips. But you can make trades. You, can, you have a lot of flexibility, and you should be right in the middle of the pack payroll-wise. And then you get the Yankees tier where it's basically you just whip it out and put it on the table. You do whatever you want. Yeah, although I don't, I feel like, first of all, Carl's went, Cardinals went out and got Goldschmidt, which that's an indication of how they think. But it's, it's also, the, it didn't cost a ton in players, yeah. and he's only on a one-year deal. Right, so, and, and my point there is that at least this is Rosenthal's reporting. They're kind of seeing if that works, right? If if he likes it in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. Right, all that stuff. It was just like Jason Hayward for Shelby Miller. Yeah, yeah, no, and... and Willing to move their own prospects. Also, we've seen this with the, the no. They brought in Larry Walker. I mean, they'll bring in yeah. big names, but it's and Matt Holiday. It's not going to be though the twenty-five year old superstars. But they also have a pitching factory, right? Which you is got guys huge. like Jack yep. Flair, like Lance Lynn goes away. And Shelby you bring Miller, Miles Mikolas, yeah. And then all of a sudden you got Dakota Hudson, and you've got um, Jack Flaherty. Like I said, you've got all these guys that just kind of um, you know come up from the minors, like Tampa Bay kind of does, and. And then offensively, they develop guys like they had Randall Grichuk and they had Stephen Piscotty, who are all part of the yeah. past. So then you have Matt Carpenter, who kind of comes out of nowhere and yeah. becomes one of your great players. And you have Paul uh, Paul DeYoung, who comes out of nowhere. And for a while, Aledmus Diaz, who they signed as a Cuban import. Yep. But now they have Jose Martinez, who was not even a prospect with the Royals, and now he's mashing. Right, and, right. kind of the reclamation project. Yeah. The Arietta with the Cubs. You have right. to become yeah. a team that is focused on player development. Now, and that's why the the payroll argument fell flat for me was there's enough talent on this team for the Twins to win the division. It's just a matter of will they perform. I don't believe in in tapping out your, you know, reaching the peak of your payroll win, uh, ceiling for Before a team that you winner. don't think has all that talent where it needs to be. Like, if you're at the top, like, let's just assume 120. 30 million is the top of what they're going to do this year. Yep. Spending to that doesn't make you appreciably better than where they are now at 123. Yeah. And they can go above 120. I'm just using that as a, as a glass sure, ceiling. Sure, sure. But you have to keep in mind that if things go right, you are going to have to start paying raises for Miguel Sano. But and that's Byron who you Buxton. want. You want your own players. Right. And, and again, so people- you, the, the, the Cardinals tier is keeping your own guys who become great players and then going to the outside if you need to. But you have to become a player development machine. Look at the Twins under Terry Ryan from 2010 on. They fell off a cliff in 2011 because the Rochester Radkey factory went dry. Yep. They stopped mass producing number three starters. The, the Bakers, Slowey, stuff yep. like that, yeah. They had no infield or outfield prospects to speak of. I mean, Hicks was in the pipeline but wasn't there. Buxton hadn't even been drafted yet. Right. You know, they had to bottom out to get Buxton. Um, and in the meantime, they've made some ugly first round picks. Tyler J. Yeah. Um, the infielder from North Carolina, Levi Michael. Yeah. Which I, that might have been entries, but 
Well, and, yeah. and they reached for something. Ben Revere, they they yeah. reached for, and and so they have not done a good job of developing first round picks since Joe Mauer. Really, I mean, there's been some decent ones, Matt Garza, and, and you know, but but they haven't done enough player development wise, and they're getting back to that. Like their system right now, I I like to think of it as the the Puckett Herbeck theory. Sure, you need your star and your secondary star. Sure. So after Puckett and Herbeck, you had Mauer and Morneau. Yep. Buxton and Sano. Yep. Lewis and Kirilov. Yep. Now imagine having all four of Happen Buxton, Sano, Lewis, Kirilov on the same team. And you just need a handful of those guys to pan on, out, if, the pitchers. If, if those yeah. guys are all firing on on eight, eight cylinders, six cylinders, whatever, all cylinders, yeah. whew, that's a really good... And then that's before you consider who pops up be, before Eddie Rosario, Polanco, Kepler, games guys we didn't even mention, Ryan Jeffers behind the plate if he... If Williams Astio. Right, I mean, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think you sign him to a five-year deal with ten team options and just keep him for a good. Um, Akil, but there, there's so much raw right, talent right. in this system right now that they're going to become a player development monster, and they've put a lot of resources that way. That's why payroll to me doesn't matter one bit because the team already right now has enough players in place that need to fulfill their talent before you know what to put next to them. And do you want to sacrifice all this financial flexibility you have for a closer? I mean. Craig Kimbrell is on a Hall of Fame path. He might be the best closer who ever lived. He might be the best closer behind Mariano Rivera, whoever lived, or however you feel about Trevor Hoffman, whatever. But are you going to give him a three-year deal worth 18 or $20 million per year? You've already got all this financial flexibility, and you put all that the eggs in the basket of Kimbrell? I just don't see it. Because a closer at 30, you don't know what he's going to be in three years. I mean, I know, I know, I know he's been a stud at this point, but he's one arm injury away. He's a, he's a velocity or command hiccup away from being normal and the same with Keichel I mean Keichel I think is a better move because it gives him a lefty a command control guy a ground ball guy gives you some looks that you don't have but in you know he's 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 in his 30s I don't think they're going to shake up the financial flexibility that they've created they are going to bet people have said this is the quote-unquote smartest man in the room theory they're going to bet on the fact that they can resurrect Martin Perez and make him the best version of Martin Perez. When I talked to Thad Levine at Twins Fest, I said, so what was the thinking there? I know people are, are ripping you guys on Twitter and, and they know what's going on on Twitter. They sure, see it. Sure, sure. I said, are you guys thinking this guy was a top prospect four years ago. He doesn't have very many miles on his arm because a bull knocked him on his hind end and then he has which, had some injuries. Which, what the hell? But yeah. So he ate the bull, which <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, and I said, are you just gambling on arm talent? He said, we're gambling on arm talent and the fact that very few guys hit free agency at 27, 28. Not a lot of miles on the arm. Yeah. This guy was considered well, to be like the next Johan Santana, which well, is fun. Well, and Levine obviously knows. Yeah, who, who knows him better? Because he worked in the... And so there's no... Re- like, it's not like signing Mike Pelfrey and think you're going to reinvent the wheel because Pelfrey was a, a number seven pick or whatever Yeah, could 10 years before. Yeah. With Perez, I mean, the arm talent is clearly there. If he's even league average, he's worth his his salary and yeah. by by a lot. But also now he's got an option on his deal for seven and a half million next year, to the point where they do have someone in place in the event that Odorizzi, Pineda, and Gibson all leave in free agency. Yeah. So they are prepared for the eventuality that they could be going Barrios, Perez, blank, blank, blank. You know, pick your poison, Stewart. Um, Fernando Romero. And if Romero has a really good year out of the bullpen this year, 
all the more reason to believe he can make the transition to the rotation and he, take. He was a step giving forward. you like five innings. I think that's why they switched him over, right? He, well, I he, think I think they they realized that it makes more sense for him to throw sixty big league high leverage innings than it does one hundred and fifty triple A innings and then thirty big league innings when they're mixing and matching because sure. they have a, a a snow out and a double header and they need a twenty sixth man. Shuttling him back and forth between Rochester this year makes no sense. Why not maximize his talent as the seventh inning guy with Trevor May back there and Blake Parker, who looks absolutely Blake filthy. Parker mentioned, by the way, in the Zach Crab article. He looks nasty. Yeah. He looks so good. And so I think that, um, you know, having him in that mix, as much as I was a little bit worried that they would be breaking up the three or four year path of innings since his Tommy John surgery, this guy is going to be a phenomenal reliever. And I think that it just made. I just think it made way more sense to 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 put him in the big leagues. I, I came full circle. I thought, nope, you got to build his inning, get him to 180, and then have him start for you in 2020. If he has a great year out of relief, and then you put him in the bullpen in 2020 or in the rotation in 2020, yep. that's your third starter right there. And then you can re-sign Gibson if if the money's right. I still hold out hope too. Like Gonzalez just need it's supposed to be a road to 95. I mean, well, you I, know me, I'm Cole, I'm a Cole Stewart guy too, and, and that and that was my thing too. I actually think that's a good example of development where. Think of like the uh, the opener as training wheels. Yeah. At some point, you you know he was using the training wheels. At some point, hopefully, yeah, he comes was being up from, used as the primary after the opener. And he, and what it allowed him to do instead of scuffling in the first inning, struggling to get through three, go out there and get a lather during the yeah, first inning. And I get days. the you know these older guys who again played in the league and still follow baseball. I like you know we didn't we didn't do that. We just went out there and had to fight through the first inning or whatever. But. To, to me, if you accelerate it, you just get more of young Cole Stewart, which is what you want. Because mm-hmm. he's, I mean, again, he, this is well known. He he could have played football. I mean, he has the arm strength to be a quarterback. He would have been and, the, the heir apparent to Johnny Manziel. At, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I you know, I don't know. I think that they, uh, um, I mean, it seems like going back to spring training, uh, what percentage do you feel like? kind of confirmed, I guess, what you had thought just based on what you've you've read and, and following the prospects? What percent maybe was a surprise in terms of, for example, it seemed like Reed was not again not a prospect, but Reed was a bit of a surprise. It seemed like Blank and Horn and uh, um, trying to remember the other prospect, Larnich were were. Uh, I don't know how much I put a, as a percentage, but like, I just think and the, they're running computers on even just BP rounds, live BP rounds. It's it's checking guys, and it's really efficient. And it sounds like there's not a lot of standing around. It's all almost none. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just I was impressed with the whole operation. I I think I really do think they're going to become a player development factory for competent which they have. To, listen, and this is a point I meant to make when you're going through your Cardinals Yankees Rays thing. The issue with the Rays is if you're a fan, you're like you're just scamming me. You're making me pay all this money for the tickets and my favorite. You're cheering for a college team. Well, and, and yeah, and um, the three year and then gone. Sure. And with uh, the Cardinals, just college football, not college basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with the Cardinals, it seems like people there, there's such a rabid fan base, and it's not even in St. Louis. We know it's kind of a national fan base that they're like, people love the efficiency of it, right? That a handful of your favorite players will stay. They're not going to overpay for players they shouldn't, and it's not going out and buying wins. They're oh, kind of when, earning it. When the Cardinals are done with you, I think there's a significant. Okay, well, what's wrong with this guy? Well, we saw it was Jaime Garcia, right? The the player the Twins laundered briefly. Um, he a good example, right? And he, he had a bum shoulder. But with it, but the Yankees and the Dodgers and the these teams that uh, even the Cubs to some extent, 
no longer are they just building an all-star team. It does seem like they have to have player development as well. Oh my gosh, the Cubs went from a team where they had four guys at every position to last year where fans were upset they only they only won was it like ninety five games, right? And got bounced from the playoffs. And they probably even won't win that many this year, given Milwaukee's good. At least is what we think. But I mean, even even a stacked team like that has questions in the bullpen, and yeah. and you you want to know how good Kyle Schwarber can be, and you want to know. I mean, they've got the Addison Russell thing hanging over their heads, and they've got uh, questions behind the plate because Wilson Contreras took a step back last year. Brian, uh, Chris Bryant battled some injuries. Ben Zobers is getting old, and you know Albert Almora didn't become the superstar they thought he might, at least not yet. They've got yeah. questions. Uh, Ian Happ took a step backwards. I mean, they went from a team that had like Jorge Soler as their third right fielder to now we're at the point where, yeah, Jason Hayward's struggling. John Lester took a step back. Tyler Chatwood was a mess last year. You Darvish was a mess last year. They didn't get anything out of um, Jose Quintana that they were hoping sure. to get. I mean, they had a lot of things go wrong, and if those things go right, it's a 100-win team again. But everyone else in the league is pretty good of all the tri- teams trying to win. Yeah, what do you well, – stay in that division. What do you think about the Reds? The Reds seem to be change of scenery team. I feel like they paid a whole bunch to win 83 games. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's, it's going to be entertaining because it's Yaziel Puig. Right. And because in they – I mean, they went and got guys like Alex Wood. And they, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they got rid of Homer Bailey and yep. you know the cloud that he was kind of hanging over him. But they gave up, like, legit prospects to get Sonny Gray on a one-year deal who – Yeah. Oh, that, and then Sonny Gray signed an extension, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, because they're an example of they probably overdoing the changes. Like I was, but back they're also to they're also like the only team that was in that purgatory that actually tried. Yeah, I mean, t people will say the Twins were in that purgatory and tried, but the Twins have so much young talent that literally between fifty nine and ninety nine wins, like anywhere in there. Throw a dart, and that's where they could land. But you you are convinced it's 86. You've 86. said the number multiple times. 86, and I'm going to write that. Remember, remember two years ago when I said the Twins were going to win 80 games? Yeah. And I got just crushed, and how many how, you remember how many wins they got that year? 85. A- 85, yeah. Yeah, after winning 59, 10 less than a nice season. Which was the unex- – so it went 83, 59, 85. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't say anything last year, right? Once guys but people were saying 87, and I feel like that team, if, if Bucks and Snow do what they're supposed to do, and I know that's a big, big if, that's probably an 87-win team. The division is it, like historically bad. Like I mean, second worst I mean, division, I think. People in, think Chicago will be okay. I I don't. But yeah. they'll be okay. The Twins do need to take advantage of this window, though, where, where Cleveland's kind of closing and Chicago's not quite there Cleveland yet. has so many holes. Their outfield is bad. Their bullpen's not strong. Um, I think Shane Bieber's their number five starter. He's really good. So, I mean, one through five, they're good. Danny Salazar is not healthy. But, I mean, if anything happens to Kluber or Bauer, they're in big trouble. I yeah. think So is it Kluber, Bauer, Clevenger, Bieber, Carrasco is the other one. So, I mean, one through five, not in that order, but one through five is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's strong. It's, I mean, all five of those guys would probably be number one starters for the Twins. Bieber... Uh, I don't know. Barrios would definitely fit in the in the Chicago or the Cleveland rotation, but sure. but anyway, but their bullpen, I mean, it's it's not good, and they've got Carlos Santana on the tail end of his career. Their catching situation, I mean, Roberto Perez is their starter. He hit like one sixty eight last year. Francisco Lindor might not be ready to start the season. I mean, if he has any kind of hiccup to the point where he has a tough year because he's missed so much of spring training. That gap closes so fast. I mean, everybody thinks it's about a 10-game gap right now. I think it's probably closer to five. Yeah. That gap can close so fast. Yeah. So fast. 
Should be a fun year. You obviously were out there in Florida. Um, do you want to tease anything? Otherwise, you have the Crone piece. You have a piece about Bradenton, all the home runs that were hit. Kepler, I have working on yep. about his pleasure, his his pleasedness. Uh, what would you call it? How pleased he is to have signed yeah. with the Twins. I have some stuff in the pipeline about Cole Stewart that's just kind of existential. Uh, Bill Evers, who was the number two hire for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays back in like 1997. I love it. Tim Foley was number one. I asked him. Yeah. Um, I have a few things on the recorder. What else do I have? Uh, I don't know. I mean, look back. You had the Royce Lewis piece. Yeah. Um, I'm going to write Cole about Stewart. You did write about Cole Stewart as a person. Oh yeah. That was a fun story. Um, just click my name on zonecoverage.com. It'll take you back. I've written some fun stuff here in the last month or so. And, um, I just, I have a few fun things coming. I'm going to write about the 86 win twins and why I think they're going to win 86 games. I don't know. I just I think it's going to be a, a really good bit of content here for the next few weeks, and then man, it's going to be it's going to be the regular season. Like I don't know, two two more shows from now. Yeah, hopefully it continues to rain only so that it doesn't snow. <laughs> Nothing falls but snowflakes. <laughs> no, snowflakes fall slow. So I bet Buxton can uh, be- yeah. Buxton and Cano, Buxton Kepler and Rosario would catch all the snowflakes, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so we did have one question. Let's answer this before we before Yeah, we, we kind of touched on this, yeah. Andrew Woodard says, it sounds like Byron Buxton's having a good spring. Has he made some nice adjustments or is he taking advantage of weaker pitching? I think he's looked more patient at the plate, but I did look it up, and let's see if I can get back to it in a, in a relatively quick fashion. On baseball reference, they do this thing called opponent quality. And so it's basically like they, they weight who you face in spring training and give it a number. 10 means you're facing a big leaguer from the previous year. 8 is triple A, 7 is double A, 5 is high A, 4 is full season A, 1 to 1.5 to 3 is the short season, and then 1 is facing a pitcher. Byron Buxton's opponent quality is 7.8, so roughly triple A on average, which for spring training is pretty good. And he, he came into today hitting 364 with a 417 on base, 864 slugging, three homers, two doubles. He now has four homers, three doubles. And I think at this point, you know, you're facing pretty good big league caliber competition for most of the games because we're about, what, 12 games before sure. this whole thing is done? shrunk, yeah. And rosters are shrinking and all that sort of sort of stuff too. So, yeah, I think that he's facing enough quality pitching to the point where you could say he looks good. It's not, it's not enough to project his season because it's only, you know, under 30 at-bats or under 30 plate appearances. Training the right way. 10 games. But he's moving in the right direction. I think everything about his swing looks good. Defensively, I mean, you never have anything to worry about. I'm all in on Buxton this year. I really am. So I think that's part of why I think they're going to win 86 games this year is if he stays healthy, let's roll. Love it. Well, that's all we got for Midwest Swing. So for Eric Producing, for Tom Schreier at tschreier3 on Twitter, this is Brandon Warren signing off saying so long at Brandon underscore Warren on Twitter. Find us next week with former New York Yankee outfielder Slade Heathcott. If you have questions, hit me up on Twitter. Otherwise, we'll catch you later. You've been listening to Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network.